This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Pull-Ups and Goodnight's Bedtime Pants, two products designed to help make potty training and nighttime wedding a whole lot easier for parents. Pull-Ups are training pants designed to look and fit like underwear, while Goodnight's Bedtime Pants fit and provide protection for kids who are only wet at night. For helpful potty training and nighttime wedding resources, visit pullup-ups.com, that's pullups.com, and goodnights.com. Welcome to Spawn, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner. And I'm Kristen Chase, and we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. And on today's episode of Spawn, we are talking to Dr. Heather Wittenberg, a child development expert and a licensed child psychologist with over 20 years experience with babies, toddlers, and preschoolers. That sounds a little scary to me, I gotta admit. The idea of like immersing myself in the world of babies and toddlers for 20 years. So I am <laughs> grateful to have her on. Um, she also works in partnership with our sponsor, Goodnight's Bedtime Pants and Pull Ups, because she knows all about everything. And I think this is gonna be a really cool one because what we did was we crowdsourced questions from all of our readers, listeners, Facebook and Instagram followers, and we got tons of great questions from parents of babies and toddlers and little ones about everything from sleep sleeping and feeding to pooping and even those awesome toddler tantrums. So she's going to help us out with all of that. Yay! And as always, we will close our show with our cool picks of the week. So let's talk a little bit more about our awesome guest. We mentioned that Dr. Heather Wittenberg is a licensed child psychologist specializing in babies and toddlers and preschoolers, but she's also the author of Let's Get This Potty Started. Woo! Now I'm going to have that in my head, of course. <laughs> the Baby Shrinks Guide to Potty Training Your Toddler, which a lot of you parents of little ones probably even already have at home. And she's also the founder of Baby Shrink LLC and BabyShrink.org, a parenting advice website. And Liz, how jealous are we that she is speaking with us all the way from Hawaii. I know, where she lives. I'm so jealous right now. So she gets to be there all the time yes. and not just when she's on the phone with us. Dr. Heather, welcome, welcome. And we're jealous. Thank you. Thank you. And I think the qualification that gives me the most credibility here is that I've got four kids. Like Kristen. So. Well, I'm going to agree with you on that because I have four kids as well. We always say we have six between us that we know of. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have 10 between us. Now we that have is 10. quite the parenting experience. Yeah, absolutely. I have somehow lived through potty training all four the kids. So we made it this far, plus all my clients. It's the secret, exciting developmental achievement that nobody knows about. That's awesome. Well, I'm excited because for those of our listeners who didn't catch us, that's because you're not following us on Facebook, maybe or Instagram, where we were asking people and getting amazing questions back all week. And wow, people have a lot of questions. And it was kind of hard to narrow it down. We've got a ton. So I think we should just jump right in. We tried to kind of pick the ones that we thought were coming from the most people and were the most interesting to help the most people. There were some very specific ones, yes. just so you know, but they might have to make an appointment with you separately. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so how about we start with sleeping? There were a ton about sleeping, no surprise here, because I'm sure sleeping is a huge one. And there are so many huge ones when you have toddlers. But Here's a great one that we got about early wakings. And I know, I remember this was such an issue in my family. And Liz, I know you have one early riser. Dr. Heather, what's a really good trick, or even more, if you got more than one, to help toddlers stay in bed in the morning? In their bed. In their bed, <laughs> yes. Really. Can we be specific? In their bed. Exactly. You know, we kind of get 
in our minds that toddlers are miniature adults or even miniature kids, and they're really not. They're their own unique sort of animal. The mindset of a toddler is like living in a fantasy preschool sort of fairy tale world all the time where you don't know the difference between stories and reality. They're kind of just out there exhilarated and terrified, wanting to learn all this stuff and getting all these new skills every day. And they're easily overwhelmed. And then you want to talk about sleep. So you're going to be by (laughs) yourself in the dark and have these weird experiences, which we're talking about dreams, but they don't know the difference. We want you to like it. And we want you to do it without fussing every single night. And we want you to not come and get us up. And we want you to not come and bother us. And it's really overwhelming and really scary for them from their standpoint. Not to say that they shouldn't have to learn. And they can learn and they want to learn. But when you kind of remind yourself like, oh, this is what they're going through, it gives us a lot more patience. To answer your question then, what do you do? The magic to it is not getting triggered. You have to remind yourself, don't get emotional. Take them back. Okay, it's time for bed. I'm going to walk you back to your room and have you go to bed and then walk back to your room. And if they follow you a million times, you have to try to follow them back a million times unemotionally, like a broken record. Listen, it's bedtime. You got to go to bed over and over again until you just like bore the heck out of them. (laughs) Right. And then they finally give up. That's magic. And us not giving up before they give up. Well, yeah, right? I, sure. I mean, I think part of the issue is some of us are like, fine, just come in our bed. Yeah, You know, because you're yes. just yes. so tired and not making maybe the best long-term choices, right? Right. And it's exhausting. And that's really the challenge. And if you can tell yourself, like, okay, you're not going to be that perfect, unemotional, broken record every night. But to the extent that you can, say you, you blow it one night and you wake up and the kid's in your bed just like, oh my gosh, I totally backslid last night. And then it's like, you know what? Last night, I let you sleep in the bed because mom was so tired, but we're going to do this tonight. And if I need to sleep on the floor in your room because I'm so tired and get you used to sleeping in your bed again for a few nights, that's what we're going to do because that's your job. You got to sleep in your big kid bed, in your big kid room or whatever it is. And it's my job to help you do that. And when you do that, it's awesome because you're a big kid and you've gotten to do this cool skill. And then you got to find out a way if you can take a nap or if you can swap with your partner or whatever it is. That's the goal. It's not going to be perfect. I get that, but that's the goal. I'm already inspired. I don't even have toddlers. I know. I'm like, can I rewind time and go back and do things differently? Yeah, can I rewind? Let's do this because I'm going to win. Well, that's the mindset. It's like there's this tiny little person in front of you controlling your life. We all get sucked into that. And then if you can just kind of back up and say, wait a second, This person is like two feet tall and I can pick them up like a football if I need to. If you remind yourself they're getting under my skin and into like the primitive parts of my mind, that's what they're doing. And if you can say, wait a minute, I have higher thinking capacities. I can be the big person and say, okay, I'm not going to get sucked into that with you. I'm going to be the big grown up here. Talking yourself through that can really help. That's great. That's great. That's so helpful. So I guess one question I have going back to what we were talking about is kids who are waking up really early, are there any particular things that you would have them do to stay in bed? Like I knew one mom who locked her kid in the room in the morning to keep them in there. And I always thought maybe not a good idea, but I mean, what do you think? You know, I hear both sides. I think it depends on the child. First of all, each child is so different and there's sort of different personality groupings that you can already kind of group toddlers into. What might work for that kid is totally cool with being locked. And it's not like they're pounding on the door and crying and screaming to get out. They just maybe feel contained Mm -hmm. and they're fine. And then they open up a book and that may work 
for some temperaments and for some kiddos, and it might be horrendous for others. They're so excited. They're learning so much. They want to go, go, go. Like imagine like as an adult, if you woke up one morning and you could suddenly fly, like you'd want to try to do this all the time. It would bother your sleep. Like if you had this whole new skill and it would be so overwhelming and so terrifying and so amazing, like that's how they feel when they wake up. They want to do all these things. And it's like, okay, so let's give you a way to sort of fly and not wake up the rest of the house, kind of metaphorically. (laughs) And also, you know, they want to learn. Sometimes people have good luck where you set a timer and like a light goes on or some music goes on. And it's like, okay, when the music goes on, that's when it's okay to come and get me and dad. But when you wake up until then, it's your job to stay in your room and here's your toys and here's your basket of stuff. Well, it makes so you sense. like all those like high tech kind of alarms with the lights that go on that give kids cues, like not time to get out of bed yet. You're, you're supportive of this. You know, you can make do. It doesn't have to be super fancy. It's just that your toddler can't read the clock yet. Right. So, you, you, you know, you want to find some kind of clue to them of the time. You can't say, you know, when it's 730, come on in. That doesn't work. So yeah, it doesn't work for my 11 year old either. For you toddler moms, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> Like you're not alone. But I do love that concept. And by the way, I think it's important for us. Like I'm just envisioning trying to tell my kids not to come down on Christmas morning, right? Like the idea of, nope, you got to stay in bed. <laughs> and I think sometimes if parents can visualize and put themselves in that position, okay, what can I relate to? Like even though I'm tired and bedraggled and all this kind of stuff, like if every morning is like Christmas morning to them, I could see where that would be frustrating. So here's what I need to do. I need to give them a visual cue or an audio cue. But also I love how you said like toys and books. You need to have something in their room. Like we can't expect them to just like lay in their bed. Of course, because that's what we want to do. I want to lay in my bed (laughs) for hours and hours, but we can't expect our toddler to want to do that. It's just not in their biology. And if you have special toys that they only get to use early in the morning, then they feel like, Ooh, I get to use my special early morning toy. And then you put them away when you get up. So they can't get to them. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. Really smart. So listen, let's jump into potty training because I know this is your specialty and the topic of your book. And we got a lot of questions about these from our listeners. I mean, this seems like as much as some things get easier in parenting, this is one thing that just still causes inordinate stress. And I think in part, that's because there's a lot of bad information in there and, and mythology. And maybe people don't get information quite right. So I'm really hoping you can clarify some stuff. So one mom asked us, and this was echoed by a lot of people, that there seems to be a lot of general anxiety about when a kid should naturally be ready to hit the potty. Is it your understanding that there's an average age versus a most likely age? Like, at what point should parents be worried about it? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, going back to the idea that each toddler is different and their development is going to proceed differently, their readiness is going to vary. You have some children who are ready around 18 months and some children who aren't ready till three and a half, three and three quarters. If they're really struggling during the day, and this is a key thing that a lot of parents don't understand, potty training is daytime trained only. Nighttime is a completely separate animal. If they're struggling with daytime past the age of four, that's when you want to really start looking at, is there something going on here? That said, there's rarely a serious medical problem, but one thing that people don't anticipate, actually the sort of secret common enemy of potty training, is constipation, uh, which is a strange thing, even for training I've to pee. I've experienced this, yeah. So if toddlers want to eat all this garbage food 
and they don't maybe drink enough water or they don't exercise enough, so they get stopped up. That interferes even with their sense of needing to pee Mm. because they're so small down there. All the nerves are not totally connected yet. There's all this pressure and they lose the sensation of actually I have to pee because they're blocking that sense of I have to poop. Pooping when you're constipated really, really hurts. So they hold it back and then this whole vicious cycle starts And then they don't even know that they have to pee. And then the next thing you know, they're peeing in their shorts at preschool and whatever. It's like, what is going on? Wow. That is so common. You know, uh, if I can get back to one thing you said, because I think this is really important. And I never thought about this way. I love that you talked about nighttime wedding and daytime being entirely different functions. And that maybe parents shouldn't be beating themselves up if they have a kid who's still wedding at night, but is dry during the day. That doesn't mean they're not potty trained. Is that right? Yes. When you think about it, potty training is about mentally, consciously saying, I'm going to hold it until I get to the bathroom. And that's a learned skill. How do you do that when you're asleep? You're not holding that thing in mind when you're asleep. And then on top of it, it's dark. Toddlers are scared. They're sleeping really deeply. You know, there's so many things stacked against nighttime training. And there's this hormone that doesn't come online until it's ready to in each individual kid. And when that hormone comes online, nighttime production of urine is decreased dramatically. And that's the thing that we think probably varies genetically from person to person and why bedwetting probably runs in families because of maybe this thing. That's so interesting. So it's physiological. And I think that's good. I think that really helps parents de-stress. Yeah, I think all the listeners that have toddlers and preschoolers right now that might still be wedding at night are all breathing a collective sigh of relief. (laughs) Or even like kindergartners and little kids. I mean, I know kids sometimes have nighttime wedding problems into grade school. and Up to seven and eight. Yeah, I think it's like 20% of kindergartners are still in good nights at night. (laughs) I have two out of my four. Before I discovered that, I was losing my mind. And it's like, this is why parents say, I've cut down liquids. Nothing works. They pee so much at night. What is going on? They don't have that thing online yet that cuts down the amount of urine that's produced at night. That's why they pee so much at night, even if you're trying to cut down on liquids, which is why that approach doesn't work. And this is also why you're working with good nights, bedtime pants and pull-ups, because obviously this is your area of expertise and you know everything about it. This is what works. Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's also really cool to be able to talk on behalf of a product that like really fulfills a need that's so helpful for so many people. You know, another question we got actually along those lines is from a mom of a three-year-old. And we did get questions from dads too. So I just want to say thanks to all the dads out there who submitted questions. Sure. And so she wrote that her three-year-old is wedding a pull-up at night. She wants to know if she should keep her in it or take other measures because keeping her in the pull-up could prolong the nighttime wedding. So are they related or is she doing the right thing or should she try something else? Okay, so this is the really common misconception that pull-ups delay potty training. Her child is sounding like she's getting potty training under control but doesn't have that nighttime system online yet. Is that where the good night's bedtime pants would come into play? You know, for pull-ups, are they better in the day? Are good night's bedtime pants better at night? Right. Good night's, it's a different product for nighttime. The pull-ups are good during the daytime because it helps your kiddo learn how to deal with their clothes take their pants on and off and get to the bathroom because potty training isn't just about the actual act itself. 
but it's about thinking about it in advance and then getting there and then getting undressed and then getting dressed again. And the pull-ups really helps with all of that. So instead of having to deal with the diaper or something like that, this makes it developmentally appropriate Got it. to learn all those skills. And then at nighttime, as the kiddos are getting older and their nighttime dryness is not following the exact same track as daytime potty training, well, then you need those good nights because they're meant for nighttime. Okay. They work better for night. You don't have to worry about it then. Also, like sort of on the side, which I think is actually one of the major benefits, is it helps you as a parent just not be stressed about what's happening in that bed at night. Like I'm going to have to take the sheets off again. I'm going to change the whole bed. And then once that nighttime system comes online, it comes online and the child realizes they're waking up dry. They're thrilled. They're self-motivated to become dry. They're not like, oh, I'm so lazy. I'm seven or eight years old. I just want to pee in my bed. They're like, oh, thank God I finally am dry Nobody wants to pee in their bed. Right. Nobody. (laughs) Right. They're totally self-motivated to do it, especially at that age. At three and four and five, they're not because they could care less what their peers think of them. But once they start getting into that seven, eight, nine ballpark of age, they really do care and they really are self-motivated. And that's not even an issue that they just are doing it somehow because they're lazy or whatever the misconception is. I I think that's really helpful advice. And I'm glad to hear that because I think we put so much pressure on ourselves as parents and we feel so guilty like that every choice we make is wrong and scarring our kids for life. So it's kind of nice to know this is not a harmful thing. This is just a phase kids are going to go through. So speaking of like very painful phases, let's move on to crying (laughs) and tantrum because, (laughs) oh my gosh, we had so many questions about this. This is one where the dads chimed in too. So I get the sense that like the crying tantrum thing is kind of triggering for everybody. Yes. What's your advice from a psychological perspective about the best way for parents to handle meltdowns? Because one parent wrote to us saying that she really struggles to balance letting her boys and and also interestingly, there was some um, distinction between kind of boys and girls and how they behaved when it came to their emotions. So she wrote about her boys specifically and how she struggles to balance letting them work through their feelings versus having their first response be total meltdown. When do you know how to let it happen and to comfort them and when to correct it? Yeah. So again, going back to the notion that there's these kind of buckets of toddler personalities. So you have some kiddos who are just really super sensitive emotionally and they need a lot more practice in self-soothing and calming down and sitting with them. And maybe shyness is an issue. And we know that shyness is very much inborn. You know, if this is a child who is temperamentally shy and then like gets overwhelmed and has a meltdown, that's going to be a totally different approach for you as a parent than if you have a child who's just been given 17 candy bars and stayed up really late and said, go do whatever you want, kid, then is like having this sort of freak out meltdown. Right. So this parent who's talking about their first response to like anything that is going wrong is total meltdown. That seems to be different than if it's kind of a one-off thing or they're just particularly cranky or missed their nap that day. First response to anything being a total meltdown makes me want to look at the child's environment and whether the child is super sensitive in general, and what can be done to minimize that sensory issue that might be going on that's overwhelming that child. 
Like, is this a child who is always so sensitive to the tag in their shirt or the feeling of the seam in their socks or smells or noises or lights or whatever, and, and anything happens just sends them over the edge because they're already so backed up with all these emotions and being overstimulated. I would really want to say, how much are we asking this child to tolerate every day and how can we tone that down so he's less on edge all the time? And then that whole sensory system comes online more and more with time too. So you're kind of supporting them until they naturally grow into themselves. That's so interesting. That makes sense. So the next question we had, which I think might be really helpful for a lot of parents, is about separation anxiety and when it ends. Because um, one parent talked to us about having an 18-month-old who still cries every day at drop-off. Although, I don't know, to me, that sounds kind of young. Like, I mean, I've seen kids who are six and seven and eight that still seem to have it. I remember kindergarten, for sure. And they can't leave their toddler with a babysitter. They always get called home every time. And even if his grandparents from out of town are there, it makes him anxious and he demands to be in a parent's arm. Is there anything they can do to help him adjust to other people in his life and other trusted caregivers? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that's really important to know about that is that 18 months old is the peak of separation anxiety for toddlers. It's the peak. They're suddenly at this point where before they're just like passive little sort of receptors of the world. Suddenly they understand stuff like they can run and they can walk and they can fall down and they can get hurt or their parents can walk out the door and be gone. Like bad, scary things can happen and people can disappear and they don't know what happens to them. And then suddenly they're back. There's a lot of anxiety around separations and reunification. That's totally normal. We want that. They have to go through that phase to understand relationships later in life. You want to support them as they're going through that. And the hard thing about that is Some children have this personality that's like, they're so easy, they're so happy to just be passed from relative to relative, and they never cry, and they're excited. And then you see your kid who's more sensitive and clingy and whatever, and you're like, well, what's wrong with my kid that my kid's not like that kid who so easily runs off? to daycare or Yeah, whatever. and that happens within families too. Like, yes. spe- you know, I see like my oldest never wanted to be near anybody. My son would be held by anybody. Exactly. So you have those personality types. So then you say, well, my kid has the personality type where they're really clingy. And we talk about this with the pull-up potty personalities too. We call that a turtle. That little turtle baby just wants to hide in their shell and be protected and, you know, be scared Aww, of the world. Our Aww. baby turtles. <laughs> yes. And yes. you know what? I mean, even though I had little kids who were actually really amazing, they were very adaptable and they would go from grandparent to grandparent and they had lots of sitters and they were awesome. Now that I have a 13-year-old, she's like, mom, she said this today, wouldn't it be great if I go to NYU so I could still live at home? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? Maybe the separation issues come back later in life. They come back later. That's it's true. Absolutely. It is true. So Dr. Heather, what's your best advice for parents of toddlers to take care of themselves? Because, you know, we always seem to put ourselves last. And I think mm-hmm. those toddlers in preschools, that that's a really tough time. So what's your best advice for parents who are going through that? How can they take care of themselves? <sighs> it's really important and it's really hard. You have to first accept that being the parent of a toddler is like a fire hose kind of parenting experience where, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly are all flying at you at top speed and you can only grab onto some of it no matter how amazing or perfect or well-rested or whatever well-adjusted you are as a person. Like, you're not going to get everything. And I know that for myself, it's like, I feel like I'm missing these milestones. I'm missing these good things. I screwed up. I lost this opportunity. 
like, no, no, no. There's always too much, no matter how good you are, whatever happens, you're going to miss stuff and you're not going to be perfect. So that in a way can give you some permission to step back and say, okay, I need a nap. I need like (laughs) my high school neighbor to come every day at three o'clock and hang out with the baby and the toddler for an hour and a half. So I can close the door and put in my earplugs and cover my eyes and sleep for a good solid hour before I deal with the evening or whatever it is. And just like the, the airline, you know, safety thing, like you have to take care of yourself if you're going to take care of anybody else. It's just physics. It's just the law of nature. Like if you're not okay, then nobody else is going to be okay. Hopefully that gives people permission to take it easy and make arrangements. And it doesn't have to be fancy and it doesn't have to be expensive to get a little rest or to get some fun or to go out with your girlfriends at night or whatever it is that refuels you. Yay! Love that. You gave us permission to give ourselves permission. Yes. I'll give you a prescription if that helps. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. So once again, for our listeners, if you want to get more information from Dr. Heather, you can check out her book, Let's Get This Potty Started. No, that's not me with like a Boston accent. (laughs) The Baby Shrinks Guide to Potty Training Your Toddler. You can find her on Facebook at Dr. Heather Wittenberg, The Baby Shrink. On Twitter, she is Baby Shrink and she is Baby babyshrink.org is her website if you have more information. And, you know, it's awesome. We love talking about Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And you're going to stick around for this? Oh, absolutely. Awesome. So since you're our guest, we want you to go first. Well, I'm the kind of person that will read 5,000 Amazon recommendations before I settle on something. Yes. Or now you could just go to Cool Mom Picks. We can hammer that out for you. You don't have to read (laughs) that. You'll have more time. Very good. I like that. um, You know, those toddler and little kid water bottles, like they've got all these nooks and crannies and the straws and the pieces and whatever. And they use them three or four times. And you're like, these are really disgusting now. Like, how do you know that they're clean? Because toddlers and like life and you just, (laughs) how do you get them clean? And so I tried all these different, you know, scrubbers and like whatever, and nothing was good. I found this good grip set. That's amazing. You know that OXO brand? Yes. I love everything they make. They're like half of my kitchen stuff is from them. Right. So they have this cleaning brush set that I had never seen before. It comes in a set. It's like three separate little scrubby things. And I'm like going to buy a bunch of them because I'm afraid like, what if it goes out of stock or what? It's like, it's so perfect. They work so perfectly well for all the nooks and crannies and the straws, like everything. That's my latest, greatest, amazing. You know, it's like 10 bucks for the set. Well, we're big fans of theirs. And we're also big fans of clean water bottles for our children. So <laughs> don't gross us out. Two for yeah. two. What about you, Liz? Cool. What do you have? So I wish that Emily McDowell would stop coming out with cool new stuff because this is turning into the Emily McDowell cool pick segment. (laughs) But she just came out the most amazing. I love this for her holidays. Heads up, everybody. This is going to be all over our holiday gift guide, which is coming out soon. She came out with these really cool, they're called fantasy stones. They're actually like flare or pins for your jacket. They look like, you know, stones, amethysts or whatever, really funky looking, but they have amazing inspirational cards that are really funny that help you ward off all these different, you know, horrible forces in your life. So for example, there's the stone, the persistethist, which enhances feminist (laughs) energy and wards off mansplainers. That's awesome. (laughs) They're really good. There's a comparison stone 
This is great for our listeners, just for people who are like really stressed out looking at Instagram and Pinterest and feeling like they don't measure up. <laughs> That's awesome. And then, of course, perfect for our listeners, there's one called Parentite, which supports frazzled parents. And it says the powers, Aww. it manifests patience and ability to rally to play a sixth game of Go Fish, helps to reverse fatigue and release pervasive underlying fear of doing it wrong. Sounds like every potty training parent needs one of exactly. those right about now. And then I love this at totally. the bottom of the card. It says it's equally effective when carried in pocket, stored in car console, or lost in Lego bin. <laughs> Isn't that the best gift? She thinks of everything. And they're like 12 bucks. So cool. So everybody on my list is probably getting one this year. What a great gift. How about you, Krista? Yeah, so my cool pick of the week are the new NASA vans. We love oh, vans. they're so good. Yeah, they're really cool. We love their collaborations. The Van Gogh vans, which is, that's kind of fun to say. Van Gogh vans. Those sold out so quickly. Well, they have teamed up with NASA, and so if you have a geek in your life, a space geek, a science geek, a STEM lover, check these out. They're super cool. And, you know, just had to give a shout out to them because I don't know. I just think they're super And they awesome. look good. Like they have like the official they NASA patch great. on them and like the little yeah. USA flag on the back. They're really good. Yeah, looking. they're really awesome. And by the way, all of these things that we have spoken about today on the show, including Dr. Heather's book, where to find her, and as well as our picks of the week, will always be over on our Cool Mom Picks podcast page so you can find them yourself when we're all done. Well, I hope that was so helpful to so many of you. I could have used more of that advice when I had toddlers for sure. So thank you all for joining us for another episode of Spawned and huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. Yeah, he's going to make us all sound like we're in Hawaii together, aren't you, John? (laughs) Okay, well, listen, we love hearing from you. You were so great in sending us these questions for our podcast with Dr. Heather. So like do that more. Send us questions. And make sure you're following yeah. us on Facebook and on Instagram at Cool Mom Picks because that's where we put the shout out to all of our followers and get great information from all of you, including show episode yes. ideas. We get tons of those and we'd love to hear what else you'd like to hear Definitely. About. And if you don't want to reach out on social media, we get it. We have an email address. It's spawned at coolmompicks.com. And hey, if you have a minute, leave us a review on iTunes and make sure to subscribe and you can actually do that right now. And when you download our episodes or save them, they always keep changing the words, Liz. Is it save? Is it download? Which one is it? I don't know what it is today. No, no, no. Click the little cloudy thing with the arrow yes. pointing down and you'll be like, oh, there's the episode and now I can listen to it on the train even when the Wi-Fi exactly. goes out. That's how I look and at it. And other people can find Spawned, which is awesome. So anyway, thanks for listening to this episode of Spawned. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. <laughs>